here in New York City. And this is four by four. Four things every Enneagram four needs to know on a specific topic given by a four. I am a four. And today we're gonna to engage both you fours and eights. And specifically, we're gonna get into the sexual fours and the sexual eights as our root here. So as we know, if you have watched any of my content on the subtypes, I have an overview on the subtypes. And then I have just finished my eights overview and those subtypes. And you fours, if you've been along with me, you know that I've always engaging the fours as a four. I love to talk to you guys. The sexual four is considered to be more ruthless than the eight, who is the challenger. They're the naturally aggressive, hostile types. Us fours don't tend to have that as much, but the sexual one does. And, and, and here's an interesting component. This is the way I imagine it in my head, right? So in the Enneagram content, in the literature, there is this emphasis that the sexual four has a certain ability to be ruthless. Why? We have a very broad sense of emotion. We have an expansive ability to look at emotion, understand them, to name them. We often can be in fields like I am, therapy. Uh, additionally, if we get hurt, our natural inclination is to have anger first. The social four and the self-preserving four don't have that same engagement with anger as quickly. And we are also one-on-one -on -one types, right? So the sexual type is the one-on-one -on -one type. We're very intimate with, could be a big group of friends, um, but we know those friends intimately. And so when we are hurt, we can engage that part of us that knows who they are, what they are, what their parents did to them, what their weaknesses are, what their strengths are, because we've probably been told all this stuff by them, because we tend to bring that out. And also, we go to anger when we are hurt first. We don't feel the sadness as quick as we feel the anger. And this is really common with eights as well. So we look very similar, and a lot of people type as fours, they type eight, and some eights type four, because of this sexual component. And so if we are all three subtypes, then all of you fours and eights can get something out of this because you have a bit of the sexual eight and four in you. And so at times I'll be broad about fours and eights in general, and sometimes I'll get narrow with the sexual types. But here's what we also know. Ones, fours, and sevens are idealists. Their true freedom has to come from actually grabbing hold of reality and detaching to some of the dreams they have. And they do that in different ways. I won't go into that here. Now, eights, uh, twos, and fives are relationalists. They connect and sometimes connect without giving it enough forethought. So there can be an agenda, but if they work hard at not having an agenda, they can have deeper and more meaningful connections. But the eight specifically in relationships wants to take charge and be indispensable to others. And so their anger, because they are from the uh, gut triad, their anger can motivate. Where we are from the sadness or shame category of the heart, which can actually navigate how we do life and how we interact with life. Whew. 
All right, that's one way. You guys are also the aggressive types, eights, and we are the withdrawn types. So we will pull back in certain situations to see how we want to play it. You will push forward. So you're also already starting to see these different ways that we do life, that we are separate from each other. We both have felt misunderstood at some point in our life. Both have a loss of innocence, which I'll go further into. We both want to stick out a bit. We have a sticking outness component. Now we do that in different ways, but separateness, being either above or unique enough or competent enough, there's a part of us that wants to step out of mediocrity and be in our glory, our greatness. And so sometimes we can do that in a narrow way in which we get in our own way. We're both authentic and passionate. So we're both from this group of people who are about emotional realness. That's your fours, eights, and sixes. They both, uh, or all three, are specific about wanting no BS and emotional realness. We respect people who aren't afraid to trust themselves, to trust us, and to deal with our intensity. So in that, we are singular. We want to stand out, but also connect in a very specific way. We can both be competitive. Now we have different ways in which our passions move us. For the fours, it's envy. For the eights, it's lust. I'll go deeper into that. But we're trying in this session to deal with how we can swing from monkey ropes and what, how we can control the inner metronome inside of us in the different ways that it moves. Like for the four, the inner metronome moves between melancholy and depression to elation and exaltation. And for you eights, it's a bit more, you know, moving towards control and power and then to innocence. So we're going to do a deep dive today. I'm already out of breath. Whew. Um, working on four things. Seduction. How do we both seduce? Emotion. How do we both engage our emotions? Hugeness, we both like to be big and go after big things. And four, it will be a reiteration of a lot of things I say throughout the first three, which is virtue. How do we move from lust to innocence and from any en envy to equanimity? So I hope you go on this journey with me. That was just an intro. It's going to be a deep dive. I hope you have time for it. I'm challenging you to stay the whole way. Again, my name is Drew. If you are interested in working with me individually, either short-term or long-term, I do one-time sessions, I do long-term sessions, get in touch with me on my socials or on uh, my website. Otherwise, let's jump into this content. And if you could subscribe, if you'd like this, cool. For you eights, I have the overview and the subtypes. And then I have a bunch of contents for you fours. And hopefully this will help you guys understand the other type and its complement better. Because we do complement each other pretty well. All right, folks, let's jump in. All right, this section is called seduction. Mm. Yeah, we are constantly talking about the sexual eight and the sexual four, so why not talk about how we seduce people and how we pull them in? Now, 
first, I just want to say this, that we're both kind of elitists. The eights are elitists in that they are the elite proficiency folks. And the fours are the elite profundity folks. Like We think we're profound and we think we're complex and confounding. And so these two are ways in which we are experts. So we walk into a room, we are trying to seduce with those key cores as the root system. I can get shit done. I can be this mystery. They're both working in conjunction. So I think the four's outsiderness makes them kind of good at being this unique character that, that draws you in by the mystery. But the eight's outsiderness makes them want to take control, right? So, so what they do is they become proficient. And they walk into the room and they own it. It's as if they have been there before. There's almost what I'd call maybe an entitlement when they enter the room. Now, fours won't do that in the same way. They're, as we've talked about before, more withdrawn. Where the eight's aggressive or assertive, fours more withdrawn. They're pulling back. They're watching. What's going on here? How's it playing out? How do I want to engage in this ref in this environment? So that ache for cosmic specialness that Ernest Becker talks about in The Denial of Death, my favorite book, which I've mentioned before, there is safety and security in the environment when we are engaged in that ache for sp uh, cosmic specialness and that we're putting it off a bit. And, and we also have uh, a stylistic intelligence that's different than the eights. Maybe an SI, right? A stylistic intelligence where how we wear something, the uniform we wear, uh, the person is the uniform or the outfit and the outfit is the person and we will outfit ourselves. The way we wear our body. Now the eight might also be conscious of this, but I don't think they give the same depth and energy to concentration on how they present with what is on their body and how they wear their body. It's a bit more like chest out for them. Ours as fours is a bit more hmm, like bobbing and weaving in a boxing match. The apparel agenda that we have, the artistic expression is really concentrated. We will educate you on how to present. The eight will educate you on how to uh, enter with confidence. The stylistic intelligence doesn't require the same bravado, I don't think, overtly. It's a more covert bravado. But we are highly aware, also fours, of the emotional tenor of the room. What's going on here? What's happening in this room? And our ache for, you know, that, that sense of specialness, that inflated sense of specialness, takes time to develop. So we have to painstakingly go at that. Think about art, for example. Art is this thing that to really get into it requires lots of reflection. How is this making me feel? How are the, the let's just say paintings, for example, if I look back and look at one of these paintings right here, what's the mood? How are the colors working in coordination? 
What's the lighting? Now an eight has an appreciation for art, just like everybody does, but there is layers and layers for the four. So when they walk into a room, they are very much considering what is the energy here and how do I fit into it? Even the sexual four, which is a bit more aggressive and has a, a an agenda of how they're going to show up, just like the other fours, they still are going to withdraw a bit to see now that the eight's gonna just bring themselves and they will fill the room with that charisma, with the intensity, even possibly annoyingly so. They are quickly aware of what they want in the room and they go after it. The four is going to take some time on that. So this is another distinction. And maybe as either you're trying to figure this out or you just want to know how to, to play it in the world of eights and fours. How do you even enter a room? Is it this dramatic effect that is, boom, I'm here, deal with me, the eight. Or is it the dramatic effect, I'm here, watch me, look at me, I'm trying to seduce you by bringing you in, but I'm not going to get all up in your grill right away. And this is the beauty of those two dynamics, right? So it's like, uh, the four knows how the stage is lit and where the, where the footlights are and the lights up top, and they, they know how their angles will look. The eight is a bit more rough shot. Just boom, I'm here. I love actually how the eight seemingly looks like they've been there before. Like they just kind of own it and they're just there and it's all right. I, I've got a, a presence. It might even be oppressive, not as glossy as the four, but massive. And this is how they penetrate. I like that word because we're talking about sexual eights and sexual fours as our example here, eights and fours, is penetration, sexual type, that one-on-one. -on -one. It's, it's, a, it's a movement in like sex. Now, the eights can dominate and, and the fours could be too coy, too withdrawn. Both can expedite intimacy though there think about how you if you're an eight or a four expedite intimacy how do you go right to the jugular so when the actual interaction does take place how eager are you to go deeper and deeper and deeper and electrify the conversation to draw magnetically that person now this is where as i told you in the the preview we have to be conscious of the idealization that the four does and that four uh, triad of idealists and the eight's uh, relationship-oriented triad. Now, they are going to look to how can I serve this person? How can I perform for this person? How can I show up for this person, take charge, and be indispensable for them? They have to decide how to not connect with an agenda. Now, our true freedom as fours is to unhinge, unhinge ourselves from the idealization of this relationship, to bring it down into a rational exploration of what do real relationships look like and not the grandiosity of them. And so 
detach a bit from our orientation towards something very special to something that's just real. And we both feel things deeply, eights and fours. And so we will deeply connect to this situation when we walk into this room. Think about how a four, maybe you guys can just, the fours, the fours in the room can, can gravitate a little bit towards their history of fantasizing. What are you hoping for when you enter in that room? Now, we both can overdo intense experiences, but ours, fours, is a lot up here. You know, the eight will just go get the target. Us fours will play it out in our head in fantasy. In building something up that isn't really real. And this is to serve the missing identity, the missing pieces that we want filled inside of us. You know, that is the thing that we're going after. What, why do we not have what other people have and how can we get it? So that we could become a superhuman. Or the eight is looking for power and control. You know, what, who has dominated me or when did I feel weak and unsafe? And now how can I get control in this room? That, that's the job there for them. But a job for them that they can integrate is reflection, which the fours are really good at. You know, we want to create a vibe because we've reflected almost too much. Where the eight is exacting themselves on the environment and maybe needs to reflect more about how they're possessing that. You know, the, the sexual eight's title is the possessor, you know, possessing. I will possess this. It's very sexual. I want to possess. I want to have it. I want to grip it, hold it, whatever it be. And their need to impress is also connected to their need to possess. And they can hijack. And that energy could be too much. So the reflection is a very core part there. The ways you are interested in things, both fours and eights, is contagious. But what kind of salesmanship do we utilize that's either over or, of, or underdone? All right. Uh, we both don't do moderation well either. So that could be overwhelming to people. You know, if, if the eight is going to want to possess the whole situation and bring themselves to this environment, not just be a friend, but be a best friend. Not just have a, a thing that's... Um, good but have it great they can smother and like i said oppress and that's where these anti-social inclinations we hear about with the eights come out where they're they're missing some of the key emotional levels layers or tenor you know like what is the vibe in this room and of course the fours can overly play that we can overplay the emotionality in the room. We're lighthousing, right? Lighthousing. We're shining our light and trying to suck people in that are like us or get us. Will you understand us? Can you fix some of this deep depression we have by, by making us feel known? Now, the lighthousing that the, the eight's doing is more of like a... It's almost like Lord of the Rings, that, that eye that just shoots on someone and focuses in. And, and it's a less revolvey 
thing that is hoping it nails a couple people. It is bang on there. They won't even ask the questions a four would ask. You know, will this give me strength and control to possess this? A four might ask that deep reflection. You know, does this really work for me? And an eight might take a while. Now, of course, we're on a spectrum here of growth. A lot of you eights and fours have worked on yourself so deeply. And you will answer the question with a no. This doesn't work for me. This is, this is going too far or this doesn't serve the bigger purpose in my life. Eights that are unhealthy will go deeper into control. And fours that are unhealthy will go deeper into seducing to serve some hole that has not been filled. Um, we can both intimidate. Now, sexual fours and sexual eights can be very intimidating because we have a lot of energy that is oriented towards this other human or these, these people we want to get the attention of. And so the eight can be overwhelming in their intimidation and their chest out type of thing. Where the four, that withdrawn, who are they? What's going on here? Why are they such a mystery? That can be the intimidation part. And there's an anger that runs through both of them. You know, where you eights are part of the hostile triad or the gut triad, um, us fours are very, very intimately connected to our anger, as I said in the, the, the intro. And that anger uh, can be very sexual, very intimidating, almost titillating, but also fear-inducing. We will both absolutely speak up, too. So this special social scheme that we have of of stepping into a void, sexual types, will step into the void to speak truth to it. Now, that is a ideal for the eight, truth. But I think it also is for fours, and especially sexual fours, that are the most outspoken. So they're most likely to take the conversation to that deeper level and uh, bring their truth to it. We both dislike complaining whining. You know, there's this component of kind of just get it done. And I, and I don't know that the other fours have this as much, but the sexual four is like, come on, get it done already. So this is where we really look like an eight. You know, the steamroller, the forcefulness of the sexual four is often, you know, like it's very close to being activated on a regular basis. It can be highly manipulatable or manipulating, you know, we know how to utilize humans to serve us. So this is what we have to, to look for is how are we walking into a room? How are we seducing? How are we penetrating? How are we drawing magnetically folks? And are we doing that to the service of the other person, to the service of the greater good, to the service of purpose, our own purpose? Now, can we reflect on our own lives enough to take stock of that. Like, what are we doing in this room and why are we doing it? And it will be imperfect and that's okay. But to get a good enough balance, and this is where the four's pursuit of equanimity or balance is crucial. 
and for your eights, your, your pursuit of innocence. Can I be humbled enough to know the inner part of myself? That's a fearful place for me to go. So that when I walk into a room, I could be, you know, not um, missing folks and missing their emotions. Whew, all right, that's seduction. Let's move on. All right, this next one is called emotion. Just simply emotion. How do we do them differently? We all, I think, have the capacity for the same amount, quantity-wise, of emotion. Our access to that emotion is much different. And so the four is going to have more access, more words, more definition for what's going on inside. They're more reflective. They're more withdrawn. They're going to pull back and, and spend some time seeping in that, sitting in that emotion. They also think there's something irrevocably irrevo wrong with them. So that psychological torture that comes from that makes them very acquainted with all of these different maturations and movements of the emotion inside. But we both when we are looking outwards, want to spark some energy in others with our emotion. So we have to watch out, both of us, for how we shape and etch people. How we manipulate them and use them. How we possess them. How we parent, coach. We're both deeply passionate people. So again, I'm, I'm using our base as the sexual types here, the one-on-one -on -one types. And as I've said before, we are all three types. So I hope both fours and eights that have different dominant subtypes are still watching this because you have that component inside of you that is really intense. That likes the adventure relationally with people. Now, as I was saying, the fours are, are in a constant search to gain liberty from the melancholy within, from these missing pieces that haven't quite found their puzzle, uh, place in the puzzle. So what we do with sadness is we tend to overdo it. Now, the twos, threes, and fours, the, the heart people, they tend to have a, a deep connection with emotion and specifically sadness and shame. So the fours will overdo sadness and shame. The twos are in conflict with it, in and out. And the threes tend to underdo. And it can be very overwhelming for an eight to be in a relationship with a four. Because we have a lot of these, us fours have a lot of emotions that don't seem needed, that seem extra, too much for an eight. And part of their enjoyment is sparring with a person getting like nitty gritty with them. And if a four is too emotional, too sensitive, it's hard for them to be engaged. And this is why I think the, the sexual eights and fours can be in great relationship with each other because the sexual four is probably, you know, just as much of a, a sparer, a fighter, a battler emotionally as an eight. Now, the eights are in that category of hostility. The eights, the nines, and the ones. And as always, one overdoes, one underdoes, one is in conflict with. So the eight, you overdo anger. Even though you might deny, I'm just frustrated or I'm just trying to be honest. 
Anger is running through you and you use it to figure out yourself and the world. Now, the, the uh, nines underdo anger and the ones are in conflict with. So your life does get organized by using this anger. It, it is good for you and it's good to know it well. It's good to have a working knowledge of how you're interacting with that anger so you're not ignorant or unaware of it. Uh, we as fours are highly aware of other people's pain and their depth. You eights are less aware because you haven't done a lot of the work in your own life. Now, maybe you're an eight who's done a lot of therapy, done a lot of reading, done a lot of connecting, solitude, silence. So you, you are more engaged in that area. But still, you know, the fours were engaged in that out of the womb. We were likely thinking about death and uh, how life worked and all of the intricacies of it. Um, you guys were, were moving towards the future, accessing the future. What is it going to look like and how am I going to impose myself now so I can get that later? So this is kind of tricky. Now, I say out of the womb. I mean, obviously, we needed some trauma and some situations in life that really kind of steered us in our number. But there does seem to be some core stuff in our DNA when we come out that hey, we might lean this way if certain things happen. I love how an eight, and I said this when I did the overviews of the eight, where you guys can just have conflict, have battles, and because you're a bit less engaged and attached to the emotion, can walk away from that going, that was a pretty good conversation. Where if the four had the same conversation, we walk away with it with guilt and shame. You guys have some special guilt mediation or, or mitigation that allows it to just fizzle away. And we're going to go, why did I say that? Oh my gosh, I'm bad for saying that. They're going to care. They're going to end their relationship with me. There's just much more angsty stuff that comes with the intensity, but the sexual force will say what needs to be said. There's something compelling us to do it. But we will walk away with a lot of discomfort afterwards because we are so highly aware of the emotional experiences of ourselves and then we project it on others. They must be having similar emotional experiences. And the eight has less need for communal, recogni communal recognition. Uh, less need to have the world see them as special. So therefore, if you are proficient, that would be the most important thing. The special part for the four is going to get in the way after we have a moment like that. We're going to, to think we were not having what it took to be resilient in that moment and maybe lose ourself in the aftermath. Um, let's move a bit towards that missing identity. For the fours, there's that missing identity or that missing those missing pieces, which is where our envy comes in, that we see other people that have things and go, I, I wish I had that too. So there's a comparison um, and that inner deficiency moves us to be a bit destabilized. 
And so this is our goal is to be composed, to be steady. And the eight, you guys have a lot of this. You, you're able to carry a lot of weight and we can learn something from you. And that is our pursuit, the fours, of equanimity, of balance. And so that ability for the eight to just like shrug off things is really helpful for us to watch. It truly is. We can look at that and go, wait, wait, wait. They're still in relationships, even though they just had this knockdown battle with somebody. Now, because you guys, you, you eights are also the aggressive or assertive types, along with the threes and the sevens, you can all repress feelings, your own, but also not take stock of others, as I've said. So what you might need to do is engage a bit more when you walk away. Because there are people who are having very strong reaction in that aftermath to this intensity that just happened. Um, all eights must consider the blend of contemplation and action. All fours must consider the blend of contemplation and action. I have used the quote, I think it's by Nietzsche uh, or Cicero, I can't remember who it is. It might be Goethe, uh, that all plunging and no contemplation, you'll look like a brute. All contemplation and no plunging, and there's essentially some kind of worthlessness to you. You're just overplaying out things in your head. So this is something that we both have to engage in, is a good blend of those two. You eights are going to overplunge. Us fours are going to overcontemplate. Now, yes, the sexual four is going to be more likely to plunge, more likely to figure things out in the moment and then have to play with them afterwards. But still, we're much less engaged than the eight in that plunging. Let's talk a little bit about emotional realness. Now, this is another triad. This is another harmonic triad. So the harmony of emotional realness. We have three characters here from each of the uh, centers of intelligence. You have the sixes from the, the head, the eights from the gut. I know this gets complicated. And then from the heart, us fours, we all are very concentrated on emotional realness. Fours, don't want too many dependents in their life. We, we're the individualist. We want to be unfettered. We don't want too many people demanding too much of us or needing us too much. You eights might demand loyalty and dependence from people. So this is one thing you have to watch out for as you are going deep and engaging in that emotional realness with people. What will be the outcomes? You might get a bunch of dependence. We will go deep, but as far as we often are thinking, is this person to come become too dependent? And this is why we actually relate with eights sometimes is because they don't get too dependent on us. But that emotional realness component is we want to get our feelings out, both of us. Now the self-preserving four can withhold a bit more. Uh, self-preserving eight will probably withhold a bit more. But we want to be understood. We want to uh, 
have you near who we are? Both of us do. And so when we feel something, we want to get that done with. So it doesn't sit there too much. And that's where we might become forceful and not take enough time and have enough patience with that. With a person who needs to talk something out, we want to get it done quick. And they might not have that kind of pace. So we might need to give somebody the space and time to process, but also not uh, disengage for our need to get something solved. We need not wait too much. So we might need to push that person a little bit faster than they would normally go. And they need to push, uh, or we need to push ourselves back a bit, bit from what we need to get so that a healthy confrontation can happen. We both kind of want to fight it out immediately, especially the sexual types. Because we are so keen on having people understand where we're coming from, know who we are, both of us, the eights and the fours, there could be grudges that take place. You know? and, and the eights are known for keeping grudges. Um, I think the social eights can hold grudges the longest. The sexual eight can definitely hold a grudge, but they're probably going to try to fi figure out how to get this thing taken care of as quick as possible. And that social eight can have more friends and relationships. And so they can tend to have more opportunity for things to go awry. So take stock of who you're collecting around you. Do they have what it takes? Do they have the strength and fortitude to stand up for you, stand up to you? Because both of us don't want BS. And this is where that um, emotional realness component is pretty crucial. That triad of the, the eights, the fours, and the sixes. We don't want to deal with bullshit. Let's see if you can go deeper. You know, that's what we're asking. So that's part of how we push against the norms and the status quo. We'll push people to see what they have. And this is cool because actually we end up often picking reliable people if we are healthy enough. Solid folks that, you know, we they don't suffer fools. We don't suffer fools. And that take me or leave me, especially with the sexual four, maybe not as much the other two, the take me or leave me component helps us pick folks um, often that are very resilient, capable of staying in the game. Accomplices. That's what we're looking for. Accomplices to, to get our needs met, to help reflect who we are. That's not necessarily wrong, guys. It's a cool thing to have people who get us. Again, as I said before, we cannot mishandle our glory. That we have power to be massive. And we often have massive egos, us, especially us sexual types. And that there are fragile people, but when we find good folks, they can help further chip away at the parts of ourselves that are fragile, right? So we're looking for not so fragile folks. And there is a fragility to us. Interestingly enough, the sexual eight has the softest underbelly. They're the most mushy. And I would say possibly uh, the sexual four is way more mushy and soft than 
you'd think. You know, there's, there's a pride in being a punk. There's a pride in being a rebel. There's a pride in um, being bad for the eight. But deep down, there's a softness there. And so if they can tap into that, they can get closer and closer to that innocence that's part of their healing path. Now, when they are not in touch with that, and this goes for both sexual types, they can demonize and judge people. Uh, and we have to orient ourselves towards non-demonization and non-judgment. Grace. Giving people the gift of grace and not jumping to conclusions. This is where I, I constantly talk about David Foster Wallace's commencement speech. You can find it on YouTube. This is water. To put yourself in the other person's place. Now, a four is pretty good at that. But when we are fired up, when we are hurt, when we have an agenda, whew, we, could, we could really think a lot of people in this world are dumbasses, just like the eights do. And our face will often say it, just like the eights do, that what's wrong with you? Why don't you get it? Get your shit together. So while an eight might not trust people a bit more because they don't show up well, the four can really hurt the ones they love who are already in their sphere because something goes awry. We are very good, both of us, at naming what's wrong. Naming what's not working, what's not efficient. And for us, fours, it might be more emotional. For you eights, it might be more practical or about getting things done. But we both can be judgmental assholes. And we can avoid, uh, 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 avoid people, diminish them, and even disintegrate them. Because we have such a strong power in the room. So I, I, I challenge you to not let your hostility incubate. Both of you. So it's very hard. I know as a sexual four, it's very hard for me when I'm hurt. To not let the rage incubate. To build and grow. And then be compassionate about the hurt. So. Deeply passionate folks. This is our call is to, to gauge what's happening to us emotionally. Eights, you have to tap into this a bit more. Understand where you're at. Fours, you might have to disengage a bit. Not give so much weight to every emotion that comes in. This is equanimity. Cool? All right, let's move on. All right, this part is called hugeness. Yeah, I, I didn't have a great word for it, but I like the word bigness, hugeness, massiveness. But let's be honest, sexual fours and sexual eights, we like it big. Uh, do with that what you will. Um, the assertive types. And I almost put the sexual fours in this category, although we are with the withdrawn type, but... The threes, the sevens, the eights, specifically the eights here, they go out and get what they want. Now, us fours can be a bit more internal, like we pull back to get what we want. But that lust part of, a, of an eight, 
that sees a target and gets it in its crosshairs and says, to be in life now, I have to grab the bull by the horns. I want to be in this moment. I want to get it. And they can focus in so particularly and deliberately towards that thing and really pursue it with tenacity and energy that is unrivaled at times. They can also distract themselves with what's out there to avoid what's in here, what's complicated inside. And so when you're fixing and setting goals and setting a plan, it can often be a distraction, eights. You can make a project the sole way of avoiding what's in here. And this is your way of gaining control. Now, us fours can make a project too big in our head with dreamy delirium and fantasies and some kind of imagination that goes awry. And because it gets so big and it's not systematic and it's not planned well or organized, which is why we lean towards the one in health, they're more principled and organized, it can lead towards paralysis. And I would say the eight has much more ability to get things done. The four has great ideas and also just a creative uh, component that is very dynamic. Now, if we were to put these two together, we'd have something pretty special here. You know, this the four is with their jack of all trades, a little bit into everything, capable of uh, bringing beauty to most anything. And the eights with a bit more of that narrow focus and big picture thinking, whew, this could be a powerful combination. If the eights could go more internal, if they could reflect more, if we could get more external, be more oriented towards the, the future force, and also have a little bit of that eight sense of certainty and I am right part, which is very similar to the ones. This could be potent. Now the aggressive types, those, those threes, sevens, and eights, overdo the future. Fours tend to overdo the past. You know, the three, sevens, and eights will repress feelings. We fours, we tend to overdo feelings. So these are the things we can learn from with each other. Both don't like weakness though. And I think this pursuit towards the big, in the fours case, the missing pieces, in the eights case, the control and power is a way to defend ourselves from the world, right? So both of us usually had a moment in our childhood in which we felt like the world was bit chaotic, uh, was dangerous for us, or didn't give us what we needed. And so what we did in response to that is either controlled or tried to fill up the things that we didn't have. But we felt weak there. Now you eights are really good at denying the weakness. Us fours are really good at overdoing the weakness, you know, like, uh, the overwhelming melancholy depression stuff. But both of us are asking the question of how potent am I? How potent 
am I? In this moment, there's some kind of need to gain um, freedom through our presence, to go beyond. And so the sexual four and the sexual eight most intensely want to go beyond. I've said it in another uh, piece that when I turned 40, my mother had written me a birthday card. And she simply put down the words, you go beyond. Meaning, I'm always going to go after the big thing. There's small, mediocre stuff doesn't appeal to me. But to do that well, we have to have restraint for the sake of the long haul. Fours have a penchant to want to start at the top. Eights are pretty good at getting dirty right away and figuring out on the fly. Us fours can wait, 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 because we want to start at the top, and that's not how life works. As uh, Meister Eckhart says, what we plant in the soil of contemplation, we reap in the harvest of action. So to have these two things blending, contemplation and action, is important. But like I said, the four will think about how they want to act and often not because they want to start here. And you eights will just jump into action without pulling back and doing those contemplation components. But failure for me as a four is doing nothing. It's waiting too long. For you eights, it's not having patience in your persistence. You talk to a young eight and you tell them to, to have a slow burn. It's going to be very difficult for them. Even if they're completely wrong, they are insistent at times. They want instant solutions and resolutions. And because of that, they will often have to deflect blame or deflect any kind of feedback they're getting to keep pushing forward. And then they realize at 40, when the four is just starting to hit their stride, that they've done a whole bunch of stuff that wasn't as efficient as they thought it would be. So think about the spaces and environments and pace in which you are working. Is it too slow or too fast? And can we integrate the other's way of doing it a bit to find a happy medium? Now, for an eight, they're going to have to be more sensitive and vulnerable. This is where innocence, that virtue, is important for them to pursue. To get in touch with the softer, tender side. And, and to do this, like I've said in the overview of the eights, they have to often look at the kid in the early years. I know I'm going to get counselory and psychotherapy guy here to talk to the child. That was, in a sense, left behind. You eights grew up so quick. You became so big so fast. I say that, uh, you know, your power animals are usually big animals. You often have big dogs. Like, eights like to own their bigness. I have this story I tell that I told when I did the eight overview that I was in the gym one day with a friend. He's five six. He's on the shorter side. There's no judgment there. I'm I'm like six foot six one, and we were talking, 
and we were talking about our childhood and he had said that, you know, he, he grew pretty quick, but when he was five, six, he stayed five, six, you know, he might, might've been earlier, but he said he always feels big. And even when I see him in the neighborhood, he's walking around with this big dog, you know, a real big, like not a Rottweiler. I think it might be a pit bull of some sort, but like those big square heads. And he says, I always have felt big. Now I, at some level have always felt small. That part that's missing, like the four's tendency towards what's wrong here. I feel deeply inadequate. Uh, there's an inner deficiency, a lack. And so we're always comparing ourselves. So it's often that we're going to feel small. The eight has to get in touch with the smallness inside of them. Where as a kid, when the world was chaotic and they had to take control and they had to grow up very quickly. And they had to step into a leadership position. They left the child behind. And therefore they have to leave a lot of those emotions behind and deny them. If I get too close to them, I will have to integrate this part that feels pretty scary. Fours can be locked in adolescence. You know, one foot camp one foot in, this, in the camp of youth. One foot in the camp of adulthood. And we have to get further into the place of adulthood to do what adults do. So when we think big and huge, it has to be with some kind of rationality. You know, when you tell a, a eight, you can't do something or, or tell me what to do, I'll do it big they can actually go too far where, where us fours, it's up here in the fantasy, in the imagination that we go big and often not in the practicality. And adulthood is about getting the thing done. So like I said, patience and persistence. Talking to the young eight inside of you and be patient with that person. To not be such a steamroller in life. To maybe have a little self-doubt. To think like, how can I do this better? And can I get some feedback to do it better? I like to call this, as I've used before, the idea of veriditas. Greening. The color. Greening. Like, I have a plant here. It needs to pull in light photosynthesis. And what I mean by it here is a readiness to grow. A lushness, a ripeness, a preparedness. And we are constantly growing, but growing slowly and methodically. And the eight wants to be the redwood or do the redwood type stuff quickly. The four can dream in redwoods. But what we know about redwoods is that the way they grow high is by growing out. The way they grow high is by growing out. Some of the biggest trees in the world have some of the most expansive root systems. And what they do is they grab hold of the other roots around them and they create a system of connection and utilize each other. And the eight has to do better at utilizing 
the other root systems around them. They will grow tall. There will be a gravitas to both the four and the eight. If they do this well, they get that support. And additionally, then if they have that support, they can go look at the old story. You can look at that old story in which there was hurt and loss there. A loss of innocence. And find out how to be more tender and vulnerable. When we become close and dynamic together, we can grow reverence for our story of the past. Rainer Marie Rocha says, Works of art are of an infinite loneliness, and with nothing so little be reached as with criticism. Only love can grasp and hold and be just towards them. Everything, he says, is gestation and then bringing forth. Great pieces of art require reflection and pulling back some loneliness, some alone time, okay? It's tough for eights, easy for fours. That's why I'm so connected to Roka. He's a classic four. But he's talking about ripening there, pulling back to make things more creative, more dynamic. And so when the eight can do that and then be vulnerable with others, there is a ripening that happens. And when we, fours, can gravitate towards others and hear the rational things they're saying, the practical things they're saying, we can then move forward. And we can pursue this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this quote. It is my favorite quote of all time, my favorite section in any book I've ever read. It is East of Eden, my favorite fiction book by John Steinbeck. If you remember, not many people have watched it. I have a five-part series on the interplay between Bruce Springsteen and John Steinbeck. And this quote, I think, so glaringly and powerfully speaks to the heart of the sexual eight, the sexual four, and fours and eights together. Sometimes a kind of glory lights up in the mind of a man. It happens nearly, to nearly everyone. You can feel it growing or preparing like a fuse burning towards dynamite. It is a feeling in the stomach, like the light of the nerves of the forearms. The skin tastes the air, and every deep drawn breath is sweet. Its beginning has the pleasure of a great stretching yawn. It flashes in the brain and the whole world glows outside your eyes. A man may have lived all of his life in the gray and the land and trees of him dark and somber. The events, even the important ones, may have trooped by faceless and pale. And then the glory so that a cricket song sweetens his ears, the smell of the earth rises, chanting to his nose, and the dappling light under a tree blesses his eyes. Then a man pours outwards, a torrent of him, and yet he is not diminished. And I guess a man's importance in the world can be measured by the quality and number of his glories. It is a lonely thing, but it relates us to the world. It is the mother of all creativeness, and it sets each man separate from all other men. Hugeness, bigness, glory. 
It requires us to pull back and appreciate. Appreciate our story. It also requires practicality, rationality. But what John is talking about there is this blend of when a person taps into that spirit, that muscular spirit that we eights and fours have, when we attend to the heart, when we mitigate the, the psychological tortures, when we deal with what's irre irrevocably uh, wrong in our head, when we slow down eights, when we speed up fours, that's when the glory comes out and the creativity that comes from us is blessed. It is powerful for others. It moves the world. Don't get it wrong here. We have to tap into that. Because it is what we are called to give to the world. This glory. Woo! Johnny Stein. Bringing the heat. As he always does. I love me some Johnny. Alright. Let's move on. All right, if I haven't overwhelmed you already, I'm going to stack on a little bit more virtue talk. So this last part is called virtue. And I've talked about it throughout. I just want to overemphasize it now. The virtue in both the four and the eight's life. For the eight, it is to tap into their innocence. Softer, older story, of when innocence was lost. And for the four, it's to gain equanimity, balance, to not um, move first towards inner deficiency and lack and the missing piece and then the fantasy that follows that up, but towards something a bit more rational and practical that I can actually detach with still high intentionality, but lower attachment level to the bigness of this thing. So I'm going to start with you eights, and I'm going to give a narrative for both, okay? And I think that they, they actually complement each other pretty well. And one was uh, a bunch of different vignettes from Jerry Seinfeld's work. Now, if you know me, you know that I love Jerry Seinfeld. I did a three-part series on Seinfeld that's called Seinfeld as Psychologist. And in that, I talk about anger. I think it's a great one for eights to go tap into how to use anger well, also for the fours. But in interviews I've heard with him, there's been these moments where there's a resistance to that innocence. I have an inkling, a, a, maybe a thought that he's an eight, I don't want to put that out into the world because I just don't know well enough. But there's this interview with Howard Stern where, where Howard Stern goes, there's something going on with you, Jerry. It's written all over your face. Everyone sees it. And Jerry, you know, in classic Jerry, is like, no, 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 there's not. Because Jerry has this essentially a resistance to therapy and to looking at the past. Like he's so future oriented. Why would you do that? So fits into that aggressive assertive type, right? Move forward, underdo the feeling part, overdo the future part, okay? Uh, Jerry talks as if, you know, he'd make a week-long 
uh, jaunt through the deepest pains that a four would have gone through. Like, easy, I'll just deal with it. It's not a big deal. Uh, everything you need to know, you'll figure it out when you need to know it, he says. Even if you miscalculate and make the wrong decision, you needed to know that. Now, I agree with that. But in the light of knowing how this type of person operates, it is a kind of easy solution to often hard issues. Now, I have heard interviews where he has mentioned depression in the past. But his primary way to get through that seems to be meditation or or trying to move to that next thing. Less deep reflection and contemplation on the past. I love when he says this. If I was a shrink, I could imagine how many sessions would end with me saying, snap out of it. Now, I, I relate to that. There's a lot of times with my clients that I want to go, just snap out of it. Are you kidding? Uh, Judd Apatow asks him, are you anti-therapist? And he says, yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. It seems self-perpetuating, he says. Now, I, I want to, again, jump into John Steinbeck's work. In a letter he wrote to a friend, he says this. I had always thought that a man should handle his own punishments, but there are some things you can't handle yourself. I know that now. One might as truly say he could remove it, his own appendix. It is an outsized ego that refuses help. I know because I have or had such a pride. Roca says this, you must not be frightened if a sadness rises up before you larger than any you have ever seen. You must think that something is happening with you, that life has not forgotten you, that it holds you in its hands. It will not let you fall, since you know that you are in the midst of transition. Often you eights have, in stress, moved towards immediacy and haste. To quell discomfort and gain control, you had to take control of your environment. And so there has to be some kind of need to be mirrored by folks who are trusted in your life so they can show you some of the softer side. Now, you don't need to become a four. We are way too heavy and have layers upon layers emotionally. But to be more tender, to take lust towards innocent, you have to feel your feels. And you have to nurture your feels a bit. Trust others. Don't be so desperate about moving out of the discomforting experiences that you have. Even appreciate them. Tell people about them. Trust people a little. You eights are prone to be paranoid about what people will do with your information. They don't give a shit that much. You've over uh, exploded this story you have and think it's untellable. Be the archaeologist, the psychological archaeologist of your story so you can find ways to make gradations and layers to it. That it doesn't just need to be on and off but that there is texture to your story. Bruce Springsteen says this, you've got to have chaos, tumult, disastrous relationships, humiliation at a young age, feel an enormous amount of weaknesses, 
and things start to burn, 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 and you take the flame and aim it towards the right thing, it's a powerful weapon. But because eights have outrun their story, they often don't take that burning and push it towards the right thing. So the underbelly, the underneath your heart, the subterranean stuff, we have to get at that. For both sexual fours and sexual eights, we tend to use anger as our first resolve. When we are hurt or sad, anger is more powerful, so we go towards it. But what we have to do is look for the loss of innocence. Now, fours have this too. I have a little note to myself that says, uh, look for, um, shit. I don't look at it enough, apparently. Uh, but look for where I was hurt when I was young, essentially. Where was I abandoned? I think that's the word I use. Abandoned. Or where did I feel abandoned? And so for eights and fours, we often feel like we weren't heard enough or seen enough. And we reacted in a different way. We have to look for that loss of innocence. Where your trust was broken. To compensate, you became so strong, eights. You became so big, so powerful. Maybe rebellious. You wanted to live on your terms. Us fours relate. Our rebellion looks different. It's not as overt. There's a subterfuge to it. But to grow up, we have to give up control. Because we didn't feel in control when we were younger, we took some way of dealing with life to gain some sense of security. And yours, eights, was power. Ask yourself, what am I fighting here? Am I trying to prove something here? And to who? And usually it isn't the people who are just around you. It's to some person from the past. Often a real person or a group of people. Do you really need the attention from them now? Are you provoking and provocative? towards something that is an old story that you can work through? Can you have the same guts to push towards that story and push towards that child to grow them up so that, in the Roka sense, you put your creativity, or in the Steinbeck sense, your glory to better use? And dislodge yourself from the social scheme of protection, of suspicion of others, of your small circle that you need to keep tight, to expand, inflate, not self-inflate towards aggrandizement, but inf uh, deepen your well. What's your agenda? And can you lean towards innocence, less towards forcefulness, to gain more stability in this world? To not have anger be your primary protection, to trim your claws a bit. To compensate you became so strong.
take some time to reflect. So you fours, we have to move from envy to equanimity or balance. There's that part of us that is so desperately worried about mediocrity. The missing piece inside of us, that piece of identity that we don't have, that we must find. I want the world to be deep and, and this inner deficiency has to be filled. There's a lack inside of me. And what it causes us to do is compare and compare and compare. But also feel that isolation, that melancholy that comes with feeling alone in this thing. And so when we can actually be uh, less competitive, more composed and steady and balanced, we can do what Otto Rank says about the rebellious type, the eight, right? The, re the rebellious type that, that the work of a rebel is the work of the artist. That is when we tap into the collective soul, when we're using both balance and creativity or dreaminess. Now, let me tell you a story about an artist. I gave you the Seinfeld story for the eights. Here we're going to talk about David Bowie. And, and Ziggy Stardust tour was uh, 19, uh, 1973 tour. And his last gig was the Hammerstein Odeon. And it was the last show with the Spiders from Mars, his band. And he was going to kill off his, his ego, his alter ego, Ziggy Stardust, this character he made up. And he says the isolationists can do this. They can go from death to rebirth. They can kill this character off. You know, as, as Steinbeck says, precious things make beautiful flames. The outsider resists the mainstream. They have that rebellion. This is where we're both very similar eights and, and fours. And... Bowie says, it was the first time I really felt a sense of the isolations. I thought, well, gee, I am Major Tom here in my own cosmic space, and no one can possibly understand. We so relate to that force. He says this, in Space Oddity, I was dealing with the transitory nature of life we have to deal with. And my fears about my own insecurities socially and emotionally. This feeling of isolation since I was a kid was really starting to manifest itself. I think the isolation in the film 2001, Space Oddity, was, a very, it was very obvious to me when I wrote these songs. Now, what we need to know about Bowie's story is that he had this doting father, but his mom was really hard to win over. And he was constantly trying to win his mother over. He said, I wanted to be well-known by her, and therefore it manifested in wanting to be well-known by the world. Us fours can relate. And he tried to be so good as a child because he was afraid if he wasn't, he would be given away by his mother. There was this real coldness to her. And I think probably some eights and fours can resonate here. But what I want to focus on is his ability to give up the isolationist character the Ziggy Stardust character, to kill off that alter ego. And maybe, in a sense, grow further into who he is, to integrate the isolationist, and maybe what he had worked through with the isolationist, to take on a different form of rebellion that is more healthy and uh, refined. 
both characters, the eight and the four, need to find some solitude to work through these things, but also integrate those other humans to get the help. In my cases, four is to not overdo intense emotions. For you eights to not overdo intense experiences and just be reactive. That's when we can both work on eights innocence, fours uh, equanimity, to balance ourselves out. And this, as I've said before about humility, humility isn't being a good, nice folk. You know, when somebody says, oh, they're just humble, it often means the person doesn't push the boundaries, doesn't rock the boat. Eights and fours are going to do that. So it, it suggests that humility isn't entirely about being good. Humility is about fertile ground. It's from the word hummus, dirt. That to get close to the fertile ground is to get close to who we really are at our core and to sink into that. Otherwise, we seep out stuff that isn't our true self. So humility is being your true self. And for eights, that's boldness. For fours, that's boldness. For both of us, it's rebellion in some sort. But when it's healthy rebellion and healthy boldness, we really can use what Steinbeck was talking about with those glories. So my challenge to you is to move towards your virtue. That is the antidote to the passion. The passion causes a lot of problems in our life. It is the lie. It offers you the fantasy that somehow you'll escape this pain by getting what others have or by having power. It's not really the truth. The truth is to get closer to who you truly are, your true self. And that takes a lot of work for both. All right, that was it. As Steinbeck says, most people have two balls, but there are few who have one and even fewer who have three. I think us sexual fours and sexual eights and the eights and fours in general have a lot of guts and they work from those guts and they are absolutely singular in this world. There's no replicating these folks, so believe that. And we're just trying to expand and actually integrate more health into our life. So hold things fast and also hold things loose. Have high intentionality, low attachment. As Goethe says, do not hurry, do not rest. This is what we have to do as eights and fours. I am Drew again. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Please subscribe. And as I say at the end of every one of these sessions, everything is yet to be done. In the words of Rainer Marie Rilke, everything. Have a good one, folks.